When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you in for Greeny, the unsportsmanlike crew. Coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. If you're not familiar with us, well, get familiar on Sportsmanlike weekdays, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. On the day after the NBA season really gets going. You saw all the action on ESPN. Of course, all the action on ESPN Radio as well with Victor Wembanyama's debut last night. Kristaps Porzingis, 30 points for the Celtics in their win. And of course, after one game, the Chicago Bulls have a players-only meeting. We'll get to the NFL in a second today here, but like a players-only meeting after one game. Yeah, it's not going to go well for Chicago this this year. It's just not going to happen. When you have a players-only meeting after the first game, the only thing I can think of is how quickly can they trade off the star pieces that they have in order to bring assets back for the future? Because that's what it's about. What, what do you need to possibly talk about that has to be closed door that you didn't already talk about during training camp, that you didn't already talk about in the offseason? You know what, Smalls? When people have players-only meetings at the professional ranks, usually doesn't end well for those respective teams. Players-only meetings only serve to play the whole CYA game. It ain't my fault. It's your fault. And the earlier those things happen, the worse a sign it is for a given team. I'm a little surprised that there wasn't a players-only meeting prior, and maybe there was, and we just hadn't heard about this, but prior to the first game, because this clearly isn't something that is just happening off of last night's game. There's yeah. probably something that was percolating, and it reached a, a boiling point last yeah. night. But then why, before the season, weren't the players like, you know what, clearly this isn't the vibe that we want. Why don't we hash it out, leave it in the pre season leave it in the offseason so that once we start the regular season we have officially turned the page the only thing i could think of to answer cc's question as to like how could you not have done this prior to game one is if they had plan a for last night and just one or two players said nah i'm good i'm gonna do plan b here we're gonna do something completely different we all agree someone went rogue they checked they check what else can you come they up check with gangsta or billy donovan I mean, seriously. Like, look at it this Why way. Is players only meeting then right yeah. like wouldn't billy donovan be like well, well, what's going on unless unless Let's give DeMar DeRozan credit as a vet in the league, unless uh-huh. he's like, I got this. What, what so-and-so did is ridiculous. Apparently, you don't have this. Well, that's, <laughs> I agree with you. Because obviously. you got to have a players-only meeting after the first game. To not be on the same page with your teammates, to, to, be, to be so far gone to where you feel like you need a players-only meeting after the first game of the season? It, it, again, I, I don't see a path in which this thing gets fixed, and then it just speaks to, the, the trust or lack thereof that the guys in the locker room have with head coach Billy Donovan. So it's an indictment on all involved, but particularly when it comes to the coaching staff and the leadership structure within that team. So this weekend, NFL, of course, uh, ma- the matchup between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, that's mm-hmm. the Panthers and the Texans, marks the fifth time QB's taken first and second overall in the same draft battle as rookies since the common draft era began in 1967. It'll be the first game since the common draft era began in 67, featuring the top three picks from the same draft 
their rookie season. Obviously, Will Anderson is in there as well. The only other year that could have happened would have been, what, 91 or whatever it was when, when Steve Entman or 90, Steve Entman and Quentin Corriott were both drafted in the top two by the Colts, if I'm not mistaken. I have to check on that. So it's needless to say, it's a big matchup in terms of young players this weekend. And Frank Reich, head coach of the Panthers, had this to say about Bryce Young. I always said, I like C.J. Stroud a lot. I've said this many times. I like that whole quarterback draft. I think they were all really good prospects. I think they're all going to have really good NFL careers. My eyes and our eyes were on Bryce Young from start to finish. We got the guy for us. And I'm sure Houston feels they got the guy for them. That's great. I mean, I think it's great for the NFL. It's great for our two guys. I think we're both very happy with where we're at and the direction we're going. See, something just has not felt right to me about this situation, Frank Reich, Carolina Panthers, there's all kinds of smoke about who did they really want. I know he's saying they wanted Bryce Young. Stroud's been more successful. Reich is 0-6. They don't have their draft pick. You have to look at the drafting of Bryce Young as, in essence, giving up multiple first-rounders for him because they did. The Bears have their pick this year. Reich takes the podium a week or so ago, talks about the involvement of owner David Tepper of the team in the day-to-day and now we have these two matching up. It's just something doesn't feel right right now with that team. No, it doesn't feel right. And the only reason why Frank Wright would come on uh, in, a, in a press conference and try to color in the involvement of the owner would be to deflect the blame for what we're seeing in Carolina. Now, regardless, it still might cost him his job, but at least he gets to tell people in NFL circles that all of the bad in Carolina ain't because of him. Because, in effect, Bryce Young, as Ev just said, is going to cost them – C.J. Stroud, it could cost them Caleb Williams or Drake May, too, right. in this upcoming draft. And so when you think about it with, with that context, it's hard to justify the decision and the, the circumstance in which Bryce Young was brought into. So I just it, – it's, it's a tough situation, and I think it's going to be opposite ends. You're going to highlight opposite ends of the spectrum with this matchup because C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans are likely going to run roughshod over the Carolina Panthers – um, it's going to only bring into uh, focus more questions about the process that the organization went through to land on Bryce Young, a quarterback that a lot of people had questions about with his size and potential durability impacting his career versus what we're seeing from C.J. Stroud through the first six games, a guy that has played really, really good football, that's top 10 in passing yards, and is quarterbacking a top 10 offense. CC on our show on Sportsman, like 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, you talked today about a sports lie that maybe a general manager has to tell sometimes. <laughs> maybe it's a head coach. What do we expect Frank Reich to say? Yeah, wow, CJ's really been outplaying Bryce Young. We're questioning the pick. The owner is the one that stepped in. I wanted Stroud all along. Even if that really is how this all went down and that's his thought process, do we expect him to say anything else other than being complimentary towards Stroud while doubling down on his guy? Yeah, I think they handled this poorly from the beginning. And the reason I say that, and I may live in a fantasy land relative to the development of quarterbacks, but I would never start a rookie quarterback right off the bat. I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't do it. They have Andy Dalton there. I would allow the rookie quarterback to always be the hero and never be the villain. The hero, in other words, if Andy Dalton doesn't perform well, let's just play that out. Everyone, including fans, are calling for the backup quarterback, which is the rookie. No matter what the rookie does, they can become the hero because the fans ask for him. Mm -hmm. Unless he comes in and doesn't play well. But even so, he's not the other guy. That's what. And now the other guy in this case is not Andy Dalton, it's C.J. Stroud. And that's what they have set up. They have not set up the either-or with Andy Dalton. 
They've set up the either-or with Stroud. If you look at so many of the great quarterbacks in this league right now, they were either intended backups or were backups over the course of time. I mean, from Brady to Drew Brees to Mahomes to Rodgers. I mean, these guys were all backups. I mean, Bubba will tell you, Dak Prescott, I think he's good. Most people do not, but I do. He wasn't the intended starter right off the bat, obviously. That you look at some of these guys around the NFL. I mean, Justin Herbert literally got his job because a team doctor accidentally stabbed Tyrod Taylor on the sidelines. Uh, Seriously, that is what happened. That I think that when you look at this, the idea of waiting is what they should have done because they created the verses between Young and Stroud instead of the verses between Young and Dalton. But that verses was always going to be there because that was the guy that Carolina had invested so much into. It just becomes more of a stark contrast because you're seeing it play out in real time and C.J. Stroud looks so good and the Carolina Panthers look so bad. Nobody's sitting here blaming Bryce Young for why the team hasn't won a game, but people are going to start to question, well, if he was the best quarterback in this class, why haven't the Panthers won a game? Like, why can't we run into one? Like, is this team on a trajectory where they're going to go 0-17 and have the unperfect season? It feels like and not have your pick. It feels like it's and moving in that direction. Pick. Exactly, and your pick being a generational talent in Caleb Williams. Right, like like so that uh, again, it feels like it's stacked against Bryce, but it's also stacked against Frank Reich, and I guess that's why there's a lot of spin in everything that he says, and that's why he also included the owner in his commentary about the decision making process. You know, I went to Bubba's team. I should have gone to Cam's team and Hembo with the Philly guys. Look at Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that guy was not a starter right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, how many examples of backups that we need to look at that, that ease their way into this? And if they somehow go 0-17, that doesn't mean – like, we have to take a step back and say that Bryce Young still could be great. Yeah. Just because he's not great right now does not mean he can't be great. Just because they're not doing it the way that dumb me suggests doesn't mean that they can't – he can't still be great. But it seems like – and maybe we're wrong on this – it seems like C.J. Stroud is going to be the guy, no matter what happened. Like, you don't see him dropping off, right? Because we had – Justin Herbert's an interesting example. Justin Herbert, when he finally got in, had a really good rookie season, and he's still kind of the same guy he was for the last three years, right? Mm-hmm. If C.J. Stroud is that guy, that's still pretty damn good. No, it's still good, but I, I, I guess the whole point is with Bryce Young – there were questions about his ability to be effective because of his overall size. Yes. Like everybody was talking about how he's got an off the charts IQ, the S2 cognitive test he did a really good job on. But football is not played on paper, it's played on the field. And this is a guy that's had some injury concerns coming out of Alabama. Whereas with CJ Stroud, there was no question about his durability or his physical talent. It was just a matter of, what coach he got with, what scheme he was in, could he operate the offense, could he process the information in real time. I had no questions about it. I thought when the Panthers moved up to the number one overall pick, it was for Stroud because there were less questions about his physical ability. Was he your number one? You did the he draft. Was my, he was my radio. number one quarterback. He was, but, okay. but, my, but I guess the point is when people saw that dramatic of a move, the thought was it would be for more of a sure thing. And it felt like C.J. Stroud was more of the sure thing. Mm. This is not revisionist history. This is just fact. And what have we seen early on? Bryce Young struggled behind that offensive line, struggled to stay on the field because of health concerns. And, and now that only exacerbates the, the gap between where he's at and where C.J. Stroud is. And I can't see him doing enough, the organization doing enough around him in the foreseeable future for him to close that gap. 
Yeah, and we know that when guys are drafted that high, it's often to imperfect situations, right? Yeah. And you're going to give them a certain level of grace because of that. But I think as a fan of said team, you just want to see Bryce Young, even in, in, in like spurts, elevate those around him. You want to feel like even if we're not having the success and the wins and loss columns, that I've seen enough from him to know that he's going to be part of the reason why we're better moving forward. You know, and you can say that about C.J. Stroud right now, but you can't say that about Bryce Young right now. You know what's so interesting about that statement, Smalls, is that Adam Thielen is a really good wide receiver, and Adam Thielen numerically I think is having the best year of his career. And Bryce Young's his quarterback. And like we don't even acknowledge that part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if the concern is health, size, can he hold up behind an offensive line like that— <laughs> That's not new. He was the same size then as he is now. So if that ever becomes a concern, that's just a swing and a miss, obviously, with that team. Okay, it is Greeny here on ESPN Radio. And a reminder, the World Series is on ESPN Radio. You can catch all the action tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Coming up from one Houston team to another. We'll get to that next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. I mean, you're going to play that for me as a University of Wisconsin grad. I'm going to be <laughs> bobbing my head. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you in for a Greeny. Smalls left us. Yeah, she's she dipped cool. out. Yeah, she's dipped out. It's okay, though. We she gonna has still, like a cool, like, We're going to still hold event. it down. Well, I mean, you know, she was hanging out with the housewives last night. She she's was. She's a close personal friend of Andy Cohen. So she's got an extensive social calendar and you and I have nothing to do once we get done with the show. So that's why she had to get out of here. <laughs> once we get done with this show, yeah. we start prepping for the next show. Exactly. That's our big day today. This, Wild. This, this, this job is second to her social calendar. She's a socialite. She really is. Yeah, yeah. She really is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can catch us normally on Sportsman like ESPN Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. And, of course, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. So Dusty Baker yesterday um, – 
I don't want to say he announces his retirement. The USA Today reported that he is going to retire, yeah. and he has commented on it. But I think that Dusty Baker is someone that I still, if I had an opening, like with the Padres or the Mets, I would certainly make the call. I don't know that he's going to take you up on your offer. He seems like the kind of person that would take the call. But let's just get one thing very straight here. This man's next stop is in New York. And it's not necessarily with the Mets. It's in Cooperstown. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't know why there's any debate on this. This man should be in the Hall of Fame. He played 19 years. He managed for 26. He won a title with the Astros. He changed to some extent the viewpoint of the Astros. He got them headed in the right direction in terms of away from all of the stuff that was going on previously. He took the Giants to the World Series. He's a class act that's it. He's all like no debate. We can sit here and debate a lot of topics. This ain't one of them, CC. No, I don't think it is either. I mean, you're talking about a guy over 2,100 wins, three-time manager of the year, three pennants in a World Series. And the, the thing that uh, brings it into focus is that it's really over four decades of excellence in the game of baseball. That's what we're talking about. He's one of only seven people on the planet Earth to win a chip as a player and a manager, we have to give credit where credit is due in terms of Dusty's impact on the game. And to me, when we start talking about being immortalized in the museum that talks about the history of baseball, which is the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, you have to include Dusty Baker in that story if you're going to tell it right, which is why he belongs there. Now, in his comments after the season that he made earlier this week, I, I think we have to take him at his word when he's talking about potentially walking away from the game in this capacity because he mentioned things in his personal life. He talked about his daughter. He talked about his grandkids and how he's cheating them because he had a quest to chase after a ring, another ring, another season. So if he's walking away from the managerial spot with the Houston Astros, he's essentially saying, I'm done in this capacity in baseball. It's not about competition and winning another ring. At noon Eastern today, Dusty is scheduled to have a press conference. It's going to be considered a retirement press conference. I'll be very interested to hear if he's talking about retirement overall from managerial work or from this specific job and whether or not he leaves that slight bit open oh, in that know. window I, to get a little breeze at night. I hear what you're saying, but here's the thing, man. The Astros have been so good. What is yeah, it? it's a six, weird team to it's leave. Six, it's six straight conference uh, uh, championship series, six straight CSs. That's, a, that's, that's hard to walk away from is if it's ultimately about trying to ring chase and get another one. Like, to me, if you're leaving that job, then you're saying you're done with baseball in that particular role. Now, could we see him adopt something similar to what Joe Torre is doing for Major League Baseball, working in the offices in New York? Potentially. I could see Dusty Baker living in that world where he wants to continue to contribute to the game of baseball, just not in a competition um, aspect of it, but – I mean, make no mistake about it. There is a wealth of knowledge in there, and I believe he still has more to offer the game. So um, there's also something else he accomplished, which a lot of people don't realize, and kudos to Cam and Bubba. Um, Can you guys tell everybody what else Dusty Baker accomplished? Because we all sit here and we think 26 years as a manager, 19 as a player. That's an amazing accomplishment. But wait, there's more. Dusty Baker invented the high five. Literally the most common, like, greeting or celebration or name it anything dusty baker hit a home run and just put his hand up high-fived glenn burke in 1977 at dodger stadium and for you know almost 50 years now 
People have been doing that to celebrate, to greet, to say hi, anything like that. Oh, well, he should be in the Hall of Fame off of that alone. No if, doubt. If, if, if he invented a high five, put him in the Hall. He could have been the worst manager. Don't even make him wait. There is no vote. Put him in the Hall of Fame right now. He could have been, been the, the worst life Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> could have been the worst manager ever. He's still getting off of that. Now, I just can't. Can you? I just can't believe that. Like in on October first, nineteen seventy-seven, no person in the world did a high five. It just seems weird to me. I'm what sh- did they do? Like, yeah, what, like we have to watch old tape of games, like when great moments happen between teammates. What did they do? Yeah, no to congratulate each other. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, a formal great handshake, a bow, a salute. They were very professional back then. I just can't. I mean, because pat on the back. Seventy-seven. Maybe. <laughs> like, I, like, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Seventy-seven seems, is not that long ago. Right. It <laughs> no. seems. I mean, for that to be the first time it happened, I, you know. I feel like George Washington should have been throwing out some high right. fives. But, Bubba, you just brought up something fascinating as a topic in general. We crossed the Delaware. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Life Hall of Fame is an interesting place to live, right? Like, who else gets into the Life Hall of Fame? The person that invented what or started what? Like, I mean, there's, there's, there's other things outside of the high five. I guess you, in in this category, you got to go fist bump. You're a big fist bumper. You, you're always the, doing the fist bump, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fist bump guy. I think the hands is too much. Uh, the fist bump, there we go. Right. You know, I'm that, not one cool. to talk because I've had a terrible incident with Emmett Smith recently. Yeah, that was awkward. That yeah. was awkward where you, you went to shake his hand and he went to give you the fist bump, but he clearly showed you the fist bump before you extended your arm. Yep. So you got the signals crossed. That right. was a you problem. I got to jump in here. Bubba and I were reviewing the tape of that yes. uh, the mm-hmm. day it happened, right. and we were impressed by how quickly Evan transitioned from handshake hand to fist bump hand, and your fists met. It's not like Agree. you turkeyed him or anything like that. I think your staff um, is making a way big deal out of it, trying to make you look bad. I think you I did a pretty you good job. No, I love you guys. You saved it. I mean, you guys are making it sound no. like he actually did – Handshake into fist, which is always the class of, you know, one person hand fist, and Evan comes in and does that. That's not what happened. He changed no. it at the last in second. In the end, you guys both did a, you both well, did a fist. Your well, knuckles did, touched did, Emmett Smith's. He didn't change it at the end. Emmett Smith had to wait because it was just awkward. He made it socially awkward for the leading rusher of all time. That's not the kind of vibes we want when we have people in studio. We don't want house guests to feel like they're weird when you go in there. Just be careful about that house at well, the end I of the block. I think he was probably feeling that, that anyway. Yeah, so, well, I mean, that's true. That's, yeah. a, that's, you know, that's a lot well, of just, it, it just it just It just drove the point home, Bubba, when he went to shake his hand and Emmett was clearly trying to fist bump him. Back to Dusty for a second. The yeah. con- I, still, I agree with Bubba. Bubba's so on to something that if you take the day before – if you take the day before this happened in 1977 that someone could hit a home run and their hands would never meet, and that would be very odd that two palms would then meet each other for the first time. Like, hey, this was awesome. We just hit a home run. Let me give you my – like, why would it not be an elbow? Why would it not be a shoulder? Why would it not be a headbutt? <laughs> they just – they decided – Palms, <laughs> knees weak. Palms are sweaty. I mean, we right? have to we have to give Glenn Burke a lot of credit too, because for Dusty Baker to put his arm up, if it never happened before, Glenn Burke must be like, "What are you doing, weirdo?" Like, if it never, ha- I mean, we're under the impression this yeah, never, happened. Did Glenn this Burke never happened before in the entire world. So Dusty all of a sudden puts his hand up. Glenn must be like, "Okay," and then he just you know meekly hit it because he's like, "I don't know what to do." But, it, yeah, what were they doing prior to that? Just clapping and just celebrating? Did and- he give Glenn Burke the heads up that he was going to do That's it? That's what I'm saying. It it had had to, it had to we be, don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. So when you, would, when you would have a big play on the defensive line, 
and you guys would, you know, sack a quarterback, make a stop, whatever it is. What was the, the most common greeting amongst the defensive First of all, linemen? let me get my celebration on. Like, let me celebrate separately. Yeah, I want, okay. the, I want the crowd to have an opportunity to glorify me first. Then we can celebrate as a team. Like, we could, we could do the team, the group, the D-line celebration, but let me get my shine on first. And how often did that, that celebration evolve? Like, oh, I can't do what I do with the Cowboys now that I'm with the Giants. And no, I no, can't I did do- the same exact celebration. Yeah, it was, Which was, it was what? the brand, just to flex in the – Flexing the arms, the biceps, yeah, yeah. Both of them? Yeah, both both of them. One of them just depends on the type of play. But that was my celebration. Not, not terribly mm-hmm. original, but, you know, it was just my thing. But then it would jump into the group celebration, you know what I mean? And there were the high fives, there were the pats on the helmet, guys that jump all over you, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I, the high five, I don't, I don't it's, 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 it's just something, if you didn't see it before, if it didn't exist before, to think to do it, I don't know, man. It just it just feels like it's Hall of Fame worthy. I so. mean, we're talking life Hall of Fame. I think this is on the same level as like Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. Like electricity landing on the moon. Thomas the Edison. Yeah. Thomas Edison, yeah. Neil Armstrong, Dusty Baker. The big three? The big three. The big three. Thomas Edison, Neil Armstrong, and Dusty Baker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're on to something. And you mean Neil Armstrong, the, uh, not the, the running back for the Bears back in the day. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. That's who you're, I don't know if he got in the mix somehow. Uh, with the, wait, one more thing on the celebration, because there's, there's an interruption of a celebration that, to me, is as famous as anyone ever. When you're doing your celebration and yeah. you're doing your individual one, your teammates could not interrupt that, right? Yeah, don't interrupt that. Okay, Let me do my thing. Randy Brown, Chicago Bulls. If you watch, I want to say it's the 96 title. Michael has the ball. He's celebrating. And Randy Brown is like trying to grab the ball out of Michael's hands. And he's there with Michael. And really, every shot, and I think I'm getting my ears right, it's Randy Brown, who's a journeyman <laughs> guard that you only know if you know. And yeah. I will always go back to the celebration interrupter is Randy Brown. So your teammates from Strahan to talk to Osi, they knew. And when CC made that play, back off. That is back off. Okay. But that's but that's a code amongst players, though. That's all players. Like, let me get my personal celebration on, and then we can celebrate as a team. There we go. Got it. Yeah, it Jim is Gr- Schwartz would not approve. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance. You know, one of the things that we have discussed is this concept now of what's going to happen with USC. And Caleb Williams, right? Because they're probably out of the college football playoff, probably out of the Heisman candidacy. And now we're looking at Caleb Williams and wondering what happens the rest of the way. And this has been something that has picked up some steam here. And Paul Feinbaum, of course, Feinbaum Show on ESPN and ESPN uh, Radio was on Carlin versus Joe, noon until 3 Eastern time, and had this to say about Caleb Williams. I want to advise him just to keep playing football. He's getting paid for it, isn't he? He's a college football player. There's still something to play for, as pedestrian and benign as that sounds. Uh, he's making millions of dollars, and uh, so what? He's not going to win the Heisman. Uh, I never thought he was anyway, because nobody wins the Heisman two years in a row. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen it since Archie Griffin, obviously, in the no. 70s, Ohio State. Paul is right about that, that it's, you know, whether it's voter fatigue or just the guy is not there or not good enough. This is the thing. I am not a believer in not finishing the job you started. Like, I think he should finish the job. Now, when the job ends is really an interesting thing now. I think that's evolved because over the course of time, it's, well, you finish the job. The job is every game your team is eligible to play. In this specific case, when your team is not eligible to play in a college football playoff, 
more times than not, we're okay with the guy not playing. Mm-hmm. When it's a guaranteed first-round pick or number one overall pick like he is, does the job end sooner or no? No, I think you finish what you start with the regular season. Uh, I think it's a unique situation where Caleb Williams, even though he's viewed at, as a generational talent, there's still an opportunity for him to get better. And what do I always say? The best way for athletes to get better is by playing their sport in games that mean something. Now, maybe they don't mean anything in terms of USC's prospects of competing for a national championship, but it still means something in terms of the, the teams that they're playing against and his ability to work on some things that, that he might not be as proficient at. So, to me, you don't want to waste the reps. You don't want to waste the opportunities. As long as he's fully healthy and there's no reason to think he's not, then you go out there and play. Like there, and there's also an opportunity for Caleb Williams to reveal his sports character, to be able to show everybody that he's a true competitor because the situation that he's going to be parachuted into is probably not going to be a good one. So having the opportunity to show that you are a guy that can be a change agent for an organization that might not have an ideal culture, I think that speaks volumes about his chances of being able to transition successfully from college football to the NFL. So let me put you in an NFL GM chair, right? It would not surprise me at any given point if it hasn't happened already for an NFL team to say, Chris Canty, I'd like you to run this team. I'd like you to be a part of this organization. Yep. I am going to – are you confirming that did happen? No. No, no okay. Uh, <laughs> I am going to put you as the Bears general manager right now, uh-huh. Bears president, whatever you want to be. Yeah. He plays this week against Cal, has a good game, and he says, you know what? I got Washington, I got Oregon, I got UCLA, three ranked teams coming up. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know, we lost against Cal. We've lost three games in a row. We're not going to the college football playoff. I got to get ready for the NFL draft. Do you then think differently about taking him number one overall? Ooh. And the Bears, by the way, because of the Panthers. I'm I, don't, I don't think you can pass on the talent, but what I will say is this. Giving us more information, giving us more data points, it never hurts. And if you're Caleb Williams, why pass on the opportunity to pay against the, some of the best talent that college football has to offer? and get a chance to sharpen your skill set. You know what I'm saying? When you're playing against those teams, when you're playing against Oregon, when you're playing against Washington, those are top 15 programs right now. Why would you pass on the opportunity to compete and beat those teams while also getting the reps and improving your craft? To me, the best quarterbacks, the best players overall, are guys that are obsessed with improving their craft, obsessed with every taking advantage of every opportunity that they can to get better. Well, you're actually in the regular season. These are opportunities to get better. Now, when we start talking about postseason football, that's different. You know, once you've honored your commitment to your teammates, to your coaching staff, the guys in that locker room, that is a different story altogether. And I think that's why it's more widely accepted that those guys miss those games if they're viewed as top prospects. But you got to finish what you start. So there's a sports character question. There's the leadership aspect of all of it. And then there's the improvement aspect of it, even though he's viewed as a once-in-a-generation type of talent. There are still things that Caleb Williams needs to work on. Why not work on those things in meaningful games against the best programs in college football? So I agree with you, but devil's advocate would be, if I'm Caleb Williams, I, I would have a right to say, hey, listen, I've made all the money I can make in NIL deals. I got everything covered there. We're not going to the national championship. I'm not winning the Heisman. I'm not going to be here next year. I'm going to give the next guy a chance to get some reps now to get ready for next year, and I'm actually doing this program a solid by, by you know, fast-forwarding what's coming in the future, and I can't improve my draft stock anymore. I'm number one. Everybody loves me. I'm going to be number one. I agree with what you're saying, but I do think now in 2023 there's more devil's advocate to that than there's ever been. Yeah, but I guess what's offsetting the risk of injury is the fact that he is getting so much money in NIL. I think he's making – 
$3 million in NIL money this year. So if you're Kayla Williams, it's not as if the risk of injury doesn't come with some type of reward. And so I guess my whole point is why forego the opportunity to get better week to week, especially given that you're going to be playing up against some of the better teams in all of college football over the next month or so. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to sit out. What I do think is the conversation is going to increase as the weeks go on here. If they have more losses, if he's starting to look kind of eh, if he's banged up and if, we don't know about it. If he's starting to look like that, see, that's a different conversation. Right. If he's injured, if he's hurt, if he's dealing with something, completely Shut different conversation. Yeah. But the fact that this team, this offense has started to struggle a little bit, maybe that's more incentive for him to go out there and reassert himself and say, hey, I am that dude, I am that good. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, along with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Of course, we are two-thirds of the unsportsmanlike team. Michelle Smallman as well, weekdays 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Radio. For those who are unaware, CC is a huge, huge Lakers fan. And there's one guy in the Lakers who gets him very frustrated with his play, and that's D'Angelo Russell. Another guy he looks at and says, well, you could have had a better second half the other night would be Anthony Davis. And Charles Barkley, of course, Hall of Famer, TNT, was on with Freddie and Harry weekdays 3P to 7P Eastern here on ESPN Radio and had strong comments on Anthony Davis. He's a very talented player, but I don't think he has that mental mindset where he want to go out there and dominate every night. I mean, you, he's just way too inconsistent. And I don't think your number one guy can have those types of peaks and valleys. You know, LeBron tried to pass the torch in the preseason. It doesn't matter. He can't pass the torch. You got to take the torch. Nobody passes the torch. And Anthony, I don't know if he has the mental mindset. He does, he, well, he's proven it, that he doesn't have the mindset to be that number one guy. So we hear Barkley. Yeah. Stay calm. It's your team, right? Stay calm. It's yeah, your I'm team. Listening. We're going to react to those comments coming up. Plus, tonight could be a must win for one team in the NFL. Their championship window may be closing. So we got Barkley comments on Anthony Davis, plus Thursday night football. We will get to coming up. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. So there was a comedian, Nate Bargatze. He did a stand-up show at Radio City Music Hall. He was sensational. Stace, at one point, shushes me and tells me I'm laughing too loudly. Too loudly. I ask you. Can you laugh too loudly at a comedy show? Nate Bargatze, is there any chance he was thinking, boy, I wish that guy would stop laughing so loudly? The whole function of being there is to laugh loudly. <laughs> this is Greeny. Along with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, in for Greeny here on ESPN Radio. Be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call online. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. You know, hearing that, Story from Greeny. That's the purpose of why you're there is to laugh at a comedy show. No doubt. Which takes me back a day to when Greeny joined our show and he told us 
that he was once at a funeral and Jim Harbaugh was there and he and Jim Harbaugh started talking football at a funeral. Talk about the purpose of why you're there. Do you go to a funeral to break down game tape? Well, it depends on whose funeral you're going to. If it's a legendary player or coach, I don't think that it would be uh, besmirching their memory by talking about football because they're clearly passionate about football. So, no, it just depends on the circumstance. Bubba, Cam, you guys know Greeny better than we do. Is it appropriate for Greeny to be talking at a funeral with Jim Harbaugh about quarterback play? Not appropriate, but not surprising. Did he tell you what Jim Harbaugh told him? Because that's interesting. That he loves Justin Herbert. He sure does. <laughs> the quarterback of the Chargers. So Greeny went to a funeral, and what he got from it is Jim Harbaugh is going to be the Chargers head coach. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Jim Harbaugh becomes the, the Chargers head coach, does the person who passed away, may she or he rest in peace, get credit for actually breaking that story? I, I believe so. Because if they so. don't die... We never talk about it They're here. never brought together? Yeah, we don't talk about it? Just saying. So whoever that was will get credit when Justin Herbert wins the Super Bowl and makes the Hall of Fame. Correct. Because of Jim Harbaugh. Well, uh, fascinating. All right, let's stay in L.A. Charles Barkley <laughs> was on Freddie and Harry yesterday, 3P to 7P Eastern, of course, Hall of Famer and TNT analyst, and had these takes on Anthony Davis. He's a very talented player, but I don't think he has that mental mindset where he want to go out there and dominate every night. I mean, you, he's just way too inconsistent. And I don't think your number one guy can have those types of peaks and valleys. You know, LeBron tried to pass the torch in the preseason. It doesn't matter. He can't pass the torch. You got to take the torch. Nobody passes the torch. And Anthony, I don't know if he has the mental mindset. He does, he, well, he's proven it, that he doesn't have the mindset to be that. That number one guy. I understand where LeBron's coming from and trying to pass the torch and empower Anthony Davis. As long as LeBron is still playing the way he's playing, there will never be another number one outside of LeBron James on any team he's on. He's too good. You can't yep. have another number one. It's a compliment to him. Mm -hmm. That said, can we stop this? Is Anthony Davis a number one? He's not. He's a Robin to a Batman. He's a really successful one at that with a ring. Like, let's stop that part of the conversation. That ain't it. He's not a number one. No, and, and, and here's the thing. You're probably right because we have too large of a sample size to suggest otherwise. The only thing that Lakers fans like myself hold on to is what we saw after the trade deadline when LeBron James missed a month of basketball, and yet this Lakers team ended up having the best record from that point on until the postseason started. Anthony Davis was the reason why. He was the most dominant force on the defensive end. He was the catalyst for what they were doing on the offensive side of the ball. So I can't see what I saw for seven or eight weeks at the second half of last season without LeBron James and think that Anthony Davis can't eventually grow into a player where LeBron James can pass the torch to. But that being said, if it was going to happen, it should have happened by now. The coronation should have been the bubble championship. That should have been the moment where it's like, okay, AD, this is your team. You are now minted. You are now an NBA champion. You are in the conversation for the best big man in all of basketball. Remember, it wasn't Giannis. It wasn't Nikola Jokic. It was Anthony Davis at that point when they won that title. And then since then, both of the guys that I just mentioned have vastly surpassed Anthony Davis and how they're viewed around NBA circles. So I guess the question is, those players have made a significant leap from that point in their careers until now. Why haven't we seen that from AD? Everybody in that Lakers organization was depending on that, including LeBron James. And it remains one of the biggest riddles in all of basketball. Why has a guy with this kind of talent, with this kind of skill set, 
not developed, not blossomed into more. Yeah, and when you say too big of a sample size to say otherwise, the sample size that I use is not even in L.A. It's in New Orleans when he was the guy. And I look at the fact there was a big argument back in the day of Giannis versus Anthony Davis. Well, they each had the same co-star. Giannis won a title with him and Drew Holiday, and Anthony Davis, I think, got to the playoffs maybe once with him. So that's the sample size that I look at. All right, uh, tonight, Thursday Night Football, Bills, Bucks. I'm oddly excited about this game. Bucks are on the road. They're plus nine and a half. Bills are favored by nine and a half. Yeah. And I'm excited about it very selfishly because from a show perspective, what we can do tomorrow on both shows, on Sportsmanlike and Greeny, if the Buffalo Bills, who everybody thought could be Super Bowl contenders, actually fall to four and four, oh, baby, that is juicy. Would you actually bet the Bills minus nine and a half tonight, though? Yeah, I think I would, but really? it would be under the premise of if they don't cover and if they somehow find a way to lose, I can roast them tomorrow on our show on Sportsmanlike. Like, that would be the thing. I'm not going to say this is a must win, but it feels like a can't lose for the Bills. Like, this is not one of those games that we're going to praise them for for getting it done, but this is one of those games that we would absolutely crush them for if they found a way to lose. At home against a team like the Bucks, that's all of a sudden struggled over the last couple of weeks. If you drop this game and now making it losing three out of the last four, then everybody's going to look at Buffalo and say, what needs to happen in order for this team to get on track? There are going to be significant questions about whether or not Sean Payton, I mean, Sean McDermott can get this team to where they're expecting to go. There are going to be questions about the quarterback and his leadership intangibles or lack thereof. There are going to be questions about Stephon Diggs and whether or not he's going to be long for staying in Buffalo, given the tensions that they experienced this past offseason. So the questions that are around the Buffalo Bills right now, all of the volume on those conversations gets ratcheted up if they lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make no mistake about it. The Bills, not the Bucks, are the team that need to have the most urgency tonight in terms of being able to win this football game. You know, I, I heard a stat this weekend on CBS watching the, the Patriots and the Bills that since Josh Allen has come into the league, he's never had a game two or excuse me, he's never had two straight games without a turnover. Two. He's a starting quarterback. Yeah. He's never had two straight games. Without a turnover. This would have well, to be he's the had, first yeah. because he threw the ball in an interception to Jabril Peppers in the first play of the game last week. Well, he's had three straight games with interceptions. The offense for the Bills have had three straight games of multiple turnovers. At some point, you have to protect the football. That has to be a priority. And if you're the coaching staff for the Bills, if you're their offensive coordinator, Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey, less Josh Allen is more. Less is more. Don't drop back Josh 40-plus times and think that that's your formula for success because you've seen over the last couple of years that it is not. Since the start of 2021, Josh Allen has had 40 starts. When they have less than 40 dropbacks, you're talking about this team's record being, what is it, 20-2? and 20-2. and two. When he has more than 40 dropbacks, the team's record is 8-10. and 10. Do the math. Hand the ball off. Less Josh Allen is yeah. more. Less dropbacks is more. Don't be so one-dimensional on the offensive side of the ball. Rely on a running game. Try to establish a running game. Play to that strength because you can't keep putting Josh in situations where he feels like he has to do it all because ultimately that's going to result in turnovers and that costs you more than anything else. End every drive with a kick. Whether it's a field goal, extra point, punt, end every drive with a kick. If they do that, they are a superior team in terms of talent level to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They should win this game comfortably tonight. If they lose tonight, they being Buffalo, would you, in your head, would you come in tomorrow 
and write them off for a championship this year and say that they are no longer Super Bowl contenders. Oh, I've already done that. Oh, so already they're I, no I already have done that. Right so now, they would have to do something drastic to right, get right, you back I, I mean, if they, if they lose tonight, I think it's on the board that they missed the playoffs. If they lose tonight, I think it's on the board. Look at the AFC. Yeah. I mean, you've got 10 teams that are 500 or better. It's on the board. So, I mean, the Buffalo Bills have got to find a way to win this game in order to realize the expectations or even just have a chance at being able to do that. If they don't, if they lose this game, then I think it's official that the window for winning a championship with this core of players is over. It's over for Micah Hyde. It's over for Jordan Poyer. It's over for Vaughn Miller. It's over for Matt Milano. It's over for Steph Diggs. It's over for Mitch Morse. It's over for all those dudes in Buffalo in terms of winning a championship if they lose tonight. It's over for us. Carlin versus Joe coming up next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.